podcast, I think, would spoil me because I would be up around all the good music and all the good coffee, and I would never want to leave. Mm-hmm. But then I would remember, <laughs> oh, there's like a you know ten month rainy season, and then there's like where you're and then there's like cold. Um, 30s and 40s. Sometimes <laughs> though, for 30s and 40s, it's it's honestly way more moderate than people think. Well, well. <laughs> Thomas is trying to talk everybody into moving up there. <laughs> moving yeah. up to the Pacific Listen, Northwest. I know you guys are desperate and need of volunteers, but come on, man. <laughs> come That's on. Pretty- another episode we are just excited that you guys have chimed in and uh i've got uh, a couple goofballs sitting across from me here that are trying not to spit coffee out of their mouths um but i've got travis with me uh who i've never seen someone be so embarrassed over a podcast uh in my life but he's he's beat red right now and uh and then i've got uh our buddy thomas sitting over here by me too and we're excited because we get to interview thomas today and talk a little bit about uh growing up in nacogdoches we get to talk about ministry in the northwest we get to talk about life and who knows we may even talk about tiny homes in a little bit but uh and all the Uh fun stuff that comes with it but uh uh just a couple things to let you know of to to remind you of uh, don't forget July is just going to be a crazy month around here. So, uh, check realm out, check our Facebook page out, check, uh, check the announcements in the bulletin, make sure that you know what's happening, what's going on as we get ready for the fall semester. Um, and yeah, so we'll have some cool things coming out with camp VBS. We got some mission trips happening. So things that you can be praying about, but other than that, we're going to kind of cut right into it. But, uh, I guess today's roast, we'll talk, we'll start there. Uh, today's roast is a Costa Rican, uh, single origin and yeah. So Travis says it's okay. Um, I'm liking it more as it cools. Yeah. Like it's almost got like this like milk chocolate strawberry thing going on. There's just like the same exact way. A little bit of like sweetness at the end, but it's not like the typical like blueberry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd say Mm -hmm. like strawberry or raspberry. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging it. I don't even know what notes are supposed to be in here. I just was like, oh, I have this. And so I just roasted it up. Yeah, no, I was laughing so much because I, when Thomas did his slurp thing, I literally almost spit this coffee into the microphone. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we I, I was just, to a I was just difficulty. slurping away. I mean, that's what you do to really get the, the full taste. And I just so happened to do it right as you decided <laughs> to do the intro. Um, they were getting their taste buds rolling. And mm-hmm. then, Thomas, what do you think of it? Honestly, I, similar to Travis, uh, the more it cools down, the more complex it gets. You could definitely tell it's Arika. You can tell it's, you almost get that, that earthy kind of flavor behind uh-huh. it. And so, man, I'm enjoying it. And Sweet. it's also my second cup for today. And, uh, that's it. That's it, man. Oh, that's wow. it. And so that stinks. I <laughs> really depends. Really depends on what kind of day it is. Yeah. This well, is a good day for a second cup for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a good day. I mean, I think I've pretty much just drank coffee today. There's some water in there. No but water. I think there's water in the coffee, so it works out. After how, being how many away, ounces? How many ounces do you think I've had? Yeah. I had two cups before I came into work. This is my third one since I've been at work. 
since nobody can see him, I'm just gonna say he's he's like vibrating. Yeah, like he's just <laughs> he's blurry. I mean, I'm definitely like 48 <laughs> or 50 ounces for the whole day. Yeah, and that's I mean that's pretty standard, right? No, oh, okay. <laughs> that's not. No. That's okay though. That probably explains a lot of my anxiety, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. But uh, but anyways, we're gonna get kind of jumped right in here, and so. You've heard us talk in previous podcast episodes about Travis playing in a band, and you've heard us talk about a fellow named Raleigh, and we had Raleigh on talking about uh, thrift finds and all that good stuff, and then also playing in a band. Well, now we have the third member of said band uh, with Thomas, and Thomas was, uh, I don't know, I guess the best way to describe it, when I first came here, you were in college at SFA, right? Uh, you weren't in high school still, going right? Into, I think I was going into college. Maybe. I was either in college or going into college. Yeah, and then you were at First Christian while you were yep. here. And uh, you played, I guess you fronted a punk band. Yes. For, yes. The, for the lack of a better term. And then you suckered Travis into it. Sure did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Still can't get him to play bass. I don't understand what you did to him. but uh, Honestly, the, the best part about Travis being in the band, and anybody who knows Travis or watches Travis, like you're a very laid back individual. And so while, while Raleigh was just like banging on the drums, because he learned how to play drums from the game Rock Band. So literally, <laughs> like there, and, and I, I've said this to his face so many times, like there was like no noise control. It's just like, no. I drum. As um, loud as possible. It, it, and it was so much fun. And then I was... I'm naturally, I'm, I'm hyperactive, right? <laughs> yeah. And so then we would both be running and jumping around and Travis is just like, hey, I'm playing bass. And, <laughs> and he would just be there. Um, and it was just this really fun dynamic. We had a lot of fun though. I mean, it was it was a good time. The more I learned the music, the more I think I got into it. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty chill. You e- are. Even with chill. three cups of coffee and me today. So, Wow. Three? Yep. I'm proud of you. Uh, I'm trying to come back. <laughs> Yeah, you've been saying that like every episode now, I think. Yeah, but I've actually gone from four to three. So There's literally <laughs> a record of your words. That's like yeah. me saying, well, I've gone from five to one, but really I just ran out of coffee at the house. And so I only had like some snippets that I could drink I off of. I had a cup at 6 a.m. I had another at 10 p.m. or a.m. And then this one now. <laughs> you know, every, every four you hours. Had too much coffee. You don't you know, even know what I, time of day no. it is. I can only do <laughs> I can only do two. And even then, apparently the recommended amount per cup is eight ounce. It's not even like 12 ounce, like typical mugs. And okay. if I, I've heard that too, but I've also read studies that say like Finland and Sweden drink like five to seven cups a day. Yes, and, we do. And yes, <laughs> Thomas is Swedish, Finnish. I, I have I yeah, I have a lot of Swedish. <laughs> no, there is, but every okay, study not with coffee. The people that actually live in the yeah. country right now, like they drink more than anyone else and they're some of the healthiest people on the planet. That's also because they eat really healthily. And they do the saunas and yeah, it's it's not just the co- they actually okay. eat. That's oh not yeah, let's why not go here. there. Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> that's not why we're here. <laughs> I about to say there's probably a huge amount of cultural influence and dynamic that goes into there too, apart from just coffee. Because let's be real, I'm Ikea just cherry picking the studies that so. make me feel like I can drink more and be okay. That's <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I can go to IKEA once a year and be happy about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's um, the closest I'm yeah. ever going to get to Sweden, so I'm going to be <laughs> fine with that. So. Uh, so anyway, so you guys have played in bands together. What's your favorite uh, tour story from when y'all were uh, going on tour and doing different things? There's a few. Hold on. Give me a second to think but, but of my favorite. We, this is a PG podcast. So you got to keep it PG. Whoa. What are you yeah. assuming? Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. I mean, we, we were Christians I mean, I in, in a bands. band. I've played in bands. I know. So. I know. 
We uh, it gets yeah, kind of hairy. It does actually, but uh, honestly, I will say this just to to preface it, like Travis was the glue that kept Raleigh and I together because he was so chill, and Raleigh and I like best friends for a long time, and <laughs> we just get at each other, and Travis would be like, guys, stop, right? But having both Travis and Raleigh, who were serious about their faith too, really helped a lot of those stories stay PG whenever people around us were not. Oh yeah, yeah. Probably the favorite one um, was, oh man, the trailer flipping. I remember that one. Oh, has it already been told here on this podcast? No, no. I just remember seeing y'all post about yeah. it. So there we were. Uh, we had stayed the night in the Roswell, New Mexico Walmart parking lot. <laughs> You okay, didn't get in, abducted in our by car. aliens. Yeah, no, actually, and and the <laughs> the front man with the other band and I went into Walmart, and I kid you not, like at least five people at the same time looked at us and touched their neck and then walked away. Wow. Okay, that's just you know abnormal. Also, I was in college. I was super tired. Who knows? Yeah. But then we start driving on on this highway in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. I mean, middle of nowhere. And Raleigh's in the front seat. He has lost hooked up like the, the series hooked up to the aux cord in my car. And he's just sitting there watching Lost and we're all just driving. And all of a sudden I hear, and then my car starts fishtailing. And we start going back and forth. And then I see in the mirror, all of a sudden, oops, there we go. I hit the mic and the trailer popped off. Okay. The safety chains broke and I see it go on the side of the road and fly up in the air and, and land yeah. on its side. Okay. So we pull over and the, the guys in the other band, this old beat up van pull over and we're like, what happened? Somebody had taken the small hairpin or whatever that, that you put in there to, to keep, you know, the hitch. Yeah. Had taken it, just taken it out. Wow. Uh-huh. And so the trailer just flew, flew off. And mind you, I had a borrowed amp. Sorry, Joseph. I had a borrowed <laughs> amp. Um, it was amp First head. Christian's trailer too. It was. It first wasn't Christian's even like we owned it. Trailer. Okay, owned by somebody who who went there. Oh, I thought um, the church. Started. I was using a borrowed amp that was a tube amp, and yep. it was not in a hard shell case. Raleigh had all of his drums not in hard shell cases. The only thing that was a hard shell case was the bass, and that was the case that got destroyed. Yeah, that was my brother's, and it got punctured pretty good. Uh, so we get out, and Raleigh walks over and starts like, "Okay, God, please, I pray that everything works inside of here. Like, there, there's no way that that stuff is going to be just fine." We open it up. Literally, the two things that were broken was one, the merch box that we had that was given to me by Mark. I, I had a plastic, a hard one. He's like, that's <laughs> dumb. You need a paper one. Okay. Paper one was destroyed. And then Travis is technically your brother's base case. But the base was fine. It was yeah. just the case got okay, a bit so he, it, gets, it gets more wild, though. Yeah, yeah. Not that anyone yeah. can, can see this, but oh, I'm showing them a picture. It gets more wild. Yeah. You could see the weird, imagine the flat plains of New Mexico, you know, just <laughs> middle of nowhere. Like you could okay. see a single thing. I tried to call AAA and they're like, okay, well, we'll try to locate you. Okay. So then we pray again. God, would you please send buddy or send buddy, <laughs> send buddy. Would you guys please send somebody to, would you guys, my goodness, guys, this is, I the need more than really a second. Good. Yeah, this it's really good. I'm just saying. God, would you please send somebody to come and help us? Uh, a few minutes later, this dude pulls up in this big old truck, says, you guys need some help? We're like, yes, sir, we do. Turns out he has the right size pin and everything, helps us push the trailer back over, put it back on the hitch, and says, I'll follow you guys all the way to Lubbock. And that's where we were going. We're like, sweet. 
And so we gave him and his family uh, shirts and he prayed with us. Um, and AAA called me as we started driving out. And they're like, we can't locate you. I'm sorry. We can't send you help. And I was like, it's okay. Like the Lord has us. That's fine. Yeah. He followed us all the way there, helped us change a tire and went on about his business. Yeah, so AAA, it's like, we're right here. Like you can't see us. Like yeah. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> just leave him running around I can for a little do bit. Jason Bourne. I mean, you really get just gotta sleep. Get, you got to get your yeah. money's worth, right? I, so, I mean, if you're gonna get your money's worth, you got to mess with them a little bit. I think it was my parents' account, so I didn't even pay for it. Well, look at, at that. The time. Well, your but, parents you know, have paid for it, so I mean, I you guess gotta, you're right. You got to do that. So, mm. fun band stories mm. are always good because you never know what you're gonna get. That's true. You never know what you're gonna run into. But uh, yeah, that was like one of the only times too that I had decided to like try to sleep so like i wasn't wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. i was like laid out on the third seat i remember and, that yeah and then like i started to feel the car like fishtail and got super nervous i was like oh we're gonna flip right when i took my seatbelt off and looked up just to see the trailer rolling in the <laughs> desert dude i yeah thankfully was, we didn't flip thankfully we did not and we were able to finish the tour i mean everything yeah, ended was up like working just two. fine that was, that was we had just started uh-huh man yep that's awesome that's awesome. I just remember that when y'all played here, y'all blew out one of my speakers. And so it we, wasn't y'all. We played here it twice, was, actually. We were yeah. running the soundboard. I'll say yeah. that. Yeah, we, we weren't. We were, we had to, so funny story on that end while y'all were playing, <clears throat> we had to get a box fan um, and put it in our sound booth on the amps because we kept blowing amps because we were pushing 130 decibels. Oh my goodness. So we were blowing amps in the room and uh, we'd have them trip and then they'd have to cool down. So we just, stuck a fan on them so that they would stay cool so we could keep the show going it was pretty fun yeah there was it two or three times we played here two two because one time was on a trailer too mm, in your yes in your, that was maybe so a fifth three. quarter i guess that was a fifth quarter yeah, yeah we that did that with three. december tide we did which oh, was what a right. weird mashup december tide yeah december tide and then a well that was like unnoticed. the only show that i played electric guitar and we had richard olds play bass with us no that was at the uh that was at the country bar at that Best Western on on fifty nine, heading south. Fifty nine. That was and and it was. I don't know why you don't remember this, but we played in this country bar. Like people were visibly upset. Some dudes were like, "I'm getting out of here." Like they left. I don't they think I played about that. It. This show. sounds like a Blues Brothers episode right here. Oh, like, I mean, we're it in was, the band. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, that was fun because nobody we're the was good old boys. I don't even know who got us that gig or who thought it was a good idea. I mean, as soon as I got there, I was like, "This isn't a good idea," but we'll play anyway. <laughs> Start breaking out whatever country song you know. It's like, no, no, hey, we guys. still we were still punk rock and and uh, <laughs> I just didn't care at that point. I was like, "Okay, well, if I can talk to somebody here, it's worth it." But it's I don't know, man. That was that was. That was weird. That sounds like a fun show. But so why don't we back up a little bit? Yeah. Like give people a, a fuller picture than just band leader Thomas. Like you went to Woden for school, right? <laughs> like you're from you're from this area. You grew up in Knack. So that's a complicated story. Um yeah, I I would yeah. live in Portland, Oregon in the summers with my dad, and then I'd be here with my mom and stepdad throughout the rest of the year. So I would escape the East Texas heat from uh, probably age seven or eight to um, till I think my my uh, junior year of high school, and so, and yes, I was I was a Woden graduate, um, and uh, married the valedictorian of my graduating class. Thank you very much. Look at you. I know, I know. I married up, <laughs> like big time. I married up, uh, 
And so I got like the best of both worlds in a sense. Like I got Portland in the summer, fantastic music, fantastic weather, fantastic, you know, oceans, mountains, high desert, rainforest, like all that in the summer. And then I'd come back here and get, you know, really hot, humid weather, really good Cajun food, lots of family, lots of cousins, so many cousins at Woden, dude. I had cousins that taught. I had cousins that I went to school with. I had cousins that were like admin. Like, dude, it was like I could not do a thing without it being known. I'll put wow. it that way. So, yeah, um, I have a lot of old family roots out here and uh, and then up in Portland. So you're not unfamiliar with Northwest then? Like you didn't no. just go, hey, I'm going to move to the Northwest for yeah. fun. <laughs> like you already had some sort of connections up there. Oh, big big time because I would live there in the summers and then I'd also go up for either Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, and, you know, my dad and stepmom at the time and sister and brother and stepbrother uh, were all up there. And hmm. so, you know, I mean, I was going all over Oregon State and um, I've always loved the P&W. Uh, mm. just the, the beauty of it and the culture is really interesting and it's vastly different from here in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, so no, I was, I was not a newcomer. <laughs> uh, if anything, a lot of times I never, I, there's, there's that in high school and in college, especially I find in Nacogdoches or in any small town, there's this level of, oh, I gotta be different. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I felt that way and I always felt a bit more Pacific Northwest, if you will culturally uh-huh. than I did Texan. Um, and, and now I just don't really care uh, because <laughs> it, it like, what's the point? Like, the point? What, why are you going to let your region define who you are? That's a really silly thing to let define you. Well, that is an interesting <laughs> point though, because I think that what we experience here is you find that that is a kind of a cultural thing where people definitely allow certain aspects and areas to define a person like if you were to come in here to our church on a Sunday morning and you go, oh yeah, I'm from you know the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Washington. <clears throat> There's gonna be two or three people that are gonna go, like give you stink eye and be like, are you are you liberal? <laughs> like just like off, just like off the cuff. Already like, had those conversations. Who did you, who did you <laughs> vote for? You know, yeah. I mean that's gonna be kind of the the thing. And we, I mean, we talk about that here that you can you can be a conservative evangelical Christian in other parts of the world too. Like you don't have to just be in <laughs> yeah. Texas or in the Bible belt to mm-hmm. make that happen. And so talk about, talk about that. So like right now you are in Olympia, Washington, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So talk a little bit about church you're at and kind of what your role there is right now. Yeah. So I'm at turning point church in Olympia. They are, um, see, they were planted around 2004. We're a mobile church for a long time. And now we have a building, uh, technically in Lacey, also technically Olympia. So Olympia, Lacey, and Tumwater are like this tri-city, Tri-Cities thing, right? And Olympia is the state capital. Um, and so the church that I'm a part of, uh, we're a converged church, which is a autonomous Baptist. I, I don't like the term non-denom or non-denominational. Right. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. Um, we're elder council led. We have elders and we have deacons. Uh, and um, so I'm one of the pastor elders, and my main job is uh, preaching and discipleship. And so I share the pulpit with another Thomas, actually, um, who's much older and wiser. Okay. Uh, and so it's literally Thomas and Thomas. But then we're also using that pulpit to train up some of our other elders. And uh, this transition just occurred a few months ago from the main pastor who had planted things. And then we went to that more elder 
council model, which was there beforehand, uh, but there was still kind of the ideology of, you know, the senior pastor model, which, I mean, it, it made sense for the time for sure. And he's a wonderful man. He still goes to our church. Uh, him and his wife are incredible folks, faithful. Uh, and so that's where we're at. I've been there at Turning Point for about four years. They have done nothing but bless my family, uh, cared for our spiritual, physical, and emotional health, made sure that we weren't doing too much. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. Like we moved out to the Pacific Northwest to help plant a church. Uh, we didn't realize that what we were coming into was a ship that needed bailing out um, and, and there was already water in the hole. Okay, yeah. so we didn't realize that. And so then um, within a year, it was closed. And so we're up there after fundraising support and I'm like, what do we do? And so for a period of time, I had like three jobs and was still doing this college outreach ministry that we had started there uh, where I did free conversation food and coffee. So similar to this. And uh -huh. I just did it on a college campus in Olympia, Washington. And um, man, we were having Bible studies with folks who, you know, their, their idea of Christianity was, uh, whatever they learned from whatever news source. Um, and 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 they, they assumed that if I was a Christian, that I was automatically, a, um, you know, like the most right-wing Republican person they could ever meet. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would be like, you know, there are two separate entities, the GOP and the church. Yeah. Two very separate ent entities. And, and I'm just here representing the kingdom of Jesus. We can talk about him and his principles, but you don't need to come at me with all those other things. We could talk about that later, right? Um and with that, we had a lot of really good conversations that you might not, like you you get that presupposition of the Pacific Northwest, um, super, super liberal, people aren't willing to have conversations, but they are. Like I would still be very much considered a, a theologically conservative Christian, uh, you know, a particular Baptist in a sense. Uh -huh. And so, and yet I was able to share that theologically conservative standpoint in conversations uh, because I think people sensed that we actually cared and we yeah. weren't the caricature. And so that kept on happening while we had, I had like multiple jobs and Dave Ramsey would have lost whatever hair he had left <laughs> looking at our financial statement. Like, why are you investing all of your money and time into this? You know, like this doesn't make sense. And literally God time and time again would provide with free things, cars, tents, uh, coffee, donuts, whatever. Right. That's awesome. Uh, and then Turning Point, I, I heard about them because I was teaching guitar and one of my students was like, they need a, a worship leader. I talked to them, did an interview with them. They came back and said, well, we don't want you to do interim. We want to do full-time. We want to fund your ministry at the college. We want to give you full-time pay and uh, we want to invest in you and in your family. Four years later, here we are. That's awesome. They're, uh, yeah, it's just an incredible community we love it and so that's that's what we're doing now yeah but i can get into the distinctives culturally between the p and w and here <laughs> well and i think last time you and i had talked you even talked about how even in that part of the pacific northwest that you've got areas that are 100 percent raging against any sort of like structure organization let it all just be freeloading kind of whatever you want to do and then like 20 miles the opposite direction, it's I'm a cowboy and you mm -hmm. can't touch my cows, you know? And so it's like a, like even within that small of an area, you have so yeah. many vast cultural 
difference is that the only ones you hear about are the ones that are riding in the streets and are looting and breaking things. And mm-hmm. then you're like, they're all angry up there. And it's like, but both sides. Yeah. Are, and, and I'll put it this way. So I will say this. I do want to correct one thing. Um, yeah. It's not so much freeloading. Actually, one of the biggest things that the anarchists in Olympia want or desire is <laughs> legitimate communal living. Okay. Where we're all taking care of one another. Right. That's, that is a desire. And this is actually a, an interesting point I came across years ago where I realized, you know, you're coming from a completely different worldview, but you're desiring the very thing that Jesus actually provides, but in a realized manner. Right. Like there are some of the things that you're like, you want justice for the oppressed. Well, read the old Testament. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want people to be taken care of. Well, read the old Testament. Why God got onto the Jews so often. Yeah. Um, you know, like you want some of these things, but it, you don't know why you want them entirely. And I can tell you, it's because you're made in God's image. There's, there is some of this desire for you to fulfill that. But in the absence of God, they're placing government there to be the solution. Exactly. Or yeah. lack thereof. There is, there is an anarchist club at the Evergreen State College. Okay. So uh, within Olympia and Lacey, <laughs> I know, do you get that? Within Olympia, Tumwater and Lacey, Olympia is is not just Seattle. Uh, it's a bit more extreme than Seattle in a lot of ways. It's where Seattle might be more socially democratic, things like that. Olympia, it, in a lot of ways, it's like punk rock, anarchist, or really leftist in a uh-huh. lot of ways. Uh, and there are pockets, there's some, you know, classical liberalism, yada, yada, yada. But then you have Lacey, which is heavily military, because we have Joint Base Lewis McCord there. And then you have Tumwater, which is, kind of like Nacogdoches, uh, a little bit more country. And so you'll be walking in downtown Olympia and see somebody who's very clearly like, like you are a part of the punk scene or like y- you were, you know, this is where you're at. And then another person across the street open carrying with like a shirt that says freedom seeds and it has like bullets on it, right? <laughs> and you think, what a strange world I'm living in right now. <laughs> so it's, it's a polarizing place. I mean, I'll put it that way. It's, it's, it's an interesting spot wow. to be in. It does sound pretty interesting. Yeah. It makes me want to go there and just like look for a second and then be like, okay, I'm good. And then <laughs> <laughs> come back home. It's like a reminder that, you know, just when I think my life is terrible. Um, yeah. At least I'm not in the freezing cold rain all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way though. I mean, there is extreme right and extreme left. And the, the thing that I think has caught so many people off guard um, with where we're at right now is that our message is not extreme right or extreme left. It's, it's Jesus kingdom. Like, can I tell you that I actually believe Jesus is really alive and is a real person who has real desires for you really right now and can actually change your life? Yeah. I'm not trying to sell you some agenda. I'm not trying to tell you how to vote. I'm not even telling you to be moral because you can't be moral. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, that's not an option for the Christian. That's, I need that to survive. Yeah. And so even the churches in Olympia right now, it's really interesting because I think NAC is such an interesting spot church-wise and spiritual-wise. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird spot this way because there's 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 so many larger churches and movements and things like that. And there's some of this unity with Mission Knack, right? Like you see this unity of, of let's go and work and serve together. Yeah. Um, and 
in Olympia, most of us pastors, like we want to work and serve together, but we're all so tired. Yeah. So what we do is we get together and we pray for one another and we invest one another and we'll send people to different churches based on where they're at regionally. Like one of, like one of the things that we do is if somebody comes from another church, we're like, Hey, what can we do to reconcile you to your former church? Like, we don't want you just coming here because you got upset about something silly to be upset about. Like, what can we do to reconcile you? We're all just really tired because we're, we're trying to invest and love our people in a place that does not like Christianity. Well, I think that's an interesting take because like around here, we're all pretty accustomed to like everyone and their dog is a, is a Christian, you know? And I think that's something that we inherently, not inherently, but that we subconsciously believe that everyone that we run into or walk into on a daily basis is going to go to church somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they have to go to church somewhere. We're in, we're in Nacogdoches, Texas. We're like the o, the OTT of Texas and O-T-T. everybody has to like be able to do this, you know? Um, and so to me, it would be weird going into a, a state or a culture like the Pacific Northwest and you can walk into like a, a store and you may be one of like two or three people in the whole store that, so I, I guess for me, it'd be a hard mentality shift because I'm, I, I mean, I don't know how you did that walking out from Texas where everybody's a Christian, you know, to, well, now I'm in a space where I don't know who believes what. Can I? Yeah, go for it. I'm not trying to get you guys in trouble on this podcast, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it because. Well, it's, your, it's your voice, not ours. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever Thomas says from this point forward, we yeah. may you or may not You don't necessarily have to endorse it. <laughs> that's because there are a lot of people in Nacogdoches, Texas, or in the South who would assume that they have been born again or think that they are a Christian by association who are also not following Jesus. Oh, we talk about that yeah, on a regular who've, basis. Who've not been born again. So it's, it's actually, <laughs> yeah. in some ways, I found it a different kind of challenge. I don't know if it's easier, but a different kind of challenge because at least the person across the table from me is admitting, I don't like your God. I don't want to follow your God. I don't need this morality. I don't need this. As opposed to somebody who's like, well, I've been to church my whole life. I've been an altar boy or I've sung the hymns or I've even been a Sunday school teacher, but have you actually repented and trusted Christ? But I think it's the same thing you're talking about how when people say, I don't need your God, I don't need your morality. I think what we have here sometimes is the opposite. We want God, but we don't want the morality that comes along with it. You want a savior, but not a Lord, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we want to be able to go to church and feel like we've got some, some stuff checked off, but then there's that morality. And I'm not talking about just like in here in, in Texas, they'll be like, oh, well, I don't do these five big sins. I mean, that's not, that's not the core and essence of morality yeah. when you look at it. And so I think that's, that's an interesting part for me because, I mean— I think that we run into a lot of people that are Bible believing, God believing, like Jesus believing type individuals. But then you come into um, the situation where you really dive deep into their life and their worldview mm-hmm. is 100% attached to what the world offers uh, mm-hmm. or what I would even say what government offers, what these things offer. It just looks different than yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. I think that you've got people that have experienced things differently. Yeah. Um, you know, they may not drive a jacked up Chevy 2500 daily or I mean 3500 daily, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> it's 35. I mean, yeah, yeah, 35. There you go. I mean, they may not be driving <laughs> that around, you know, uh, with with 
American flags and Trump flags flying down through it. But the reality of it too, though, is we in Nacogdoches will face a different culture than mm-hmm. what you're going to be facing up there. But the issue, if we center the issue on morality, like what you talked about, I think morally, yeah, most people in Nacogdoches, Texas, aren't going to be like, let's abort some babies. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to do that. Um, but at the same time, there's certain other issues of morality that they're going to be completely open to and mm-hmm. accept. Um, and I think that's even crept into the church to some point where yeah. we openly accept that. So to me, it's interesting because as we talk about that, it makes you think about like, well, where I live, it's almost the same, but it's the same, but different. Like, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does, but it's also coming for here. Yeah. It's coming for everywhere. I mean, that's, this is just the shift of our nation. It's just where it is in a lot of ways in the church. The church is tasked with remaining the same, though the, the, the whole worldview makeup of the nation changes. Yeah. This is the task of the church because their king and their Lord is everlasting and never changes. And even just being here, I'm seeing changes in Nacogdoches where I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm seeing some of this happen and it's going to be yeah. really interesting for you guys ministering here to to be held faithful as, as Christ would hold you faithful in the middle of that because you're going to be having to almost reconcile both sides with mm-hmm. the gospel. Um, yeah, well, we've seen that the most in college ministry. Yeah. Like how SFA is now versus how it was even like five, ten years ago. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah, vastly. Like, like Gen Z, like the way they think and operate their worldview is so much more similar to like what you experience in Olympia. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think unless you're involved in that sort of college ministry, like most of our people just, they don't understand how younger yeah. generations think. Would you say it's, it's uh, less animosity and more indifference than what people think? Cause a lot of, a lot of times I hear people assume that there's a lot of animosity and I don't run into much animosity unless we're helping with like a cause specifically. Like we, we were a couple weeks ago with uh, options pregnancy center and, and people are really riled up about abortion right now, right? And we are pro-life in and out of the womb, right? So, but most of the time I run into indifference. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I, hey, if that works for you, you know. Like every now and then you find the philosophy major who's like read a bunch of, you know, Christopher Hitchens or Dawkins or whoever yeah. who's angry, but it's like most people just don't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things though that we've noticed that especially even in Nacogdoches, there's kind of a... Uh, general apathy that just kind of rests and exists where like what you're talking about where it's like meh I mean it, whatever's cool you know whatever's mm-hmm. good but now we're seeing where especially as believers I think believers across the country I don't think just in Nacogdoches I think as as westernized Christians we've seen just kind of that general apathy rest and exist within our own country mm-hmm. to the point where we celebrate um, we celebrate the mega church. We celebrate the large church mentality. We celebrate the celebrity pastor type mentality. Yeah. Um, and, and to a point where we allow that to then become that experience of being there, the feeling of being somewhere mm. that now becomes our God more than God. Mm-hmm. Like the experience becomes more of what we treasure being a part of a church than actually investing ourselves into the lives of other people and seeing mm-hmm. people grow and being discipled. And I think that's the struggle that, the church in America itself is facing is the God of experience versus the, the God of reality um, and the God of truth. And so, I mean, I know that we see that here um, because you always want to go to something bigger, better, you know, well, church down the street has a better playground 
than you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'm I'm cynical. I mean, you can you, you sit with me for five minutes, you'll find out real quick. I'm pretty cynical. Like you Travis, fit in, in the Northwest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Like Travis and Nathan are always like, "Okay, Charles, you don't have to be so cynical." All the time. I'm like, "Shut up! I'm just calling it what it is." But Walk around um, with a cloud over yeah. you, just yeah. But I mean, to me, when when people come to me with petty things like that, especially at my church, I'm like, "Then go there." Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, on the real. I don't, I don't necessarily need you to find fulfillment in my life. Like, just mm-hmm. go there, and that's the hard part about it. Like, I should be more of well. Tell me what else that church does besides their playground that you really enjoy. You know, tell yeah. me, tell me what's going on with this and this. And a lot of times when you do that, they can't really share with you. Yeah, they don't really know. Like a lot of times, they don't even know doctrinally. Yeah, what goes on in other churches? They just assume that it, because it says church that it's going to do. You know, it's going to fill for them what they want want it to fill. The the pendulum has swung in America from knowledge to the heart. And the middle row, which you tend to find in whoever you're reading, especially the scripture, but whether it be Augustine, uh, even Calvin or the Puritans, is this beautiful marriage where the heart and the mind agree and celebrate, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. And so now because it used to feel dry and boring and, oh, theology, blah, 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 blah. Now it's all experiential the thing that we miss, and this is, I, I have huge issues with the celebrity pastor, pastor mentality, with the mega church mentality, because in the Pacific Northwest, it, it doesn't work that way. And also, you end up having a lot of people uh, that might intellectually assent to believing in Jesus, but have not been born again. Uh-huh. And so we're not actually seeing Jesus really interacting in our communities because we're trying to build up and protect our organization of what Mm -hmm. we think community should be. And one of the things that I love, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, look, if you go around trying to build community based on your vision of community, you're going to destroy it every time. But if you love the person next to you, you'll have community wherever you go. Yeah. And so, you know, in the Northwest, it's really interesting. I had somebody say this one time, uh, the church culture in the Northwest is very similar to the church culture in Texas. The main difference is whenever you walk out those doors, how far the culture is from the church. And I actually think I disagree now at this point, because at this point, it's no longer really convenient to be a Christian, right. uh, at least in Olympia. I mean, it could be elsewhere, bigger cities, what have you, but it's really not. It's not convenient for you. Uh, and you're going to be accosted at some point for your belief on some issue whether it be LGBTQIA uh, ideology and gender studies or abortion or, you know, whatever it may be, you're going to have to be able to give an answer for why Christ is your hope yeah. in the middle of that. And I just think right now, like I said, it's certainly for Nacogdoches being a college town, it's coming. Yeah, People are going to realize that you don't join a church for petty reasons or do you leave a church for petty reasons if you are a genuine Christian because you actually desperately need that community. Well, and I think that's the one thing that we've, we've talked about a lot and that we see is kind of the rise and fall of a lot of churches. I think you're going to find smaller churches are going to end up having to close doors because they just, they're not able to reach people. I think what you're going to find too is people are going to lose community that they desperately want in larger churches. And so I'm really interested to see, especially like in Texas, where that middle ground is going to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know that for years we've been tracking the uh, level of the megachurch and the way that it has moved so far on the opposite end. But now I think we're seeing it in even bigger uh, in even b- bigger numbers. But I mean, still every day, I mean, we're seeing, what, 900 plus evangelical churches closing weekly yeah. uh, just because they can't, they can't stay open. And then we're not able to plant churches fast enough in some of these areas. And so now you've got these uh, kind of like spiritual deserts within these communities because there's just nothing for people to go to. Mm-hmm. And I think that can probably be attributed mostly not to, not to the change in the cultural dynamic of community, but to the change in the, um, the, the cultural appeal, not appeal, but maybe that cultural desire of the evangelical Christian or the, the Christian themselves to say, I want to see my community reach for the gospel. Like they quit doing that. Mm-hmm. They just assume that you or I as a pastor, that Travis is a pastor. Oh, well I, I pay that person to go out and, and do the ministry yeah. for me. So I don't have to, um, that's their job, you know? And <clears throat> I, I think that's the hard part, um, is trying to balance that as a minister of saying, especially around here, you know, um, where it's like, you've got some people, pockets of people that are like, it's my responsibility to be a mm-hmm. believer and to see people's lives change. But then you've got pockets of people that are like, well, that's why I pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a hard, that's a hard mentality to fight against. Uh, Cause yeah. sometimes, I mean, Charles, there's sometimes where I'm like, I'm just gonna pack it up, move away. I'm not, I'm done with this anymore. I'm gonna mm-hmm. burn, burn it all down and walk away. And um, you just can't get yeah. to fight that a lot. You just can't do it. Unfortunately, when you can't, the question you're going to get in trouble the question comes back to with each individual with each person with each person who would claim to be a christian um what is your life yeah i mean what really what is your life what why are you sucking in breath right now i mean what what purpose does your life have is it to have the white picket fence the 401k and to be surrounded by people you agree with is it just to go and reach people for the gospel and be a really great evangelist or is it to glorify God and to enjoy him forever and your enjoyment of him just spills over into every aspect of your life and all of a sudden now people are coming into your life who don't know him that you get to love. But the, the issue is, is that we can't give people a love that we're not willing to receive or that we haven't received. Mm-hmm. And the whole church planting, I have my opinions on that. That's a whole nother long podcast because <laughs> I've, I've been a part of honestly what I would just call the CEO or, or the business startup church planting method, which I, I think is uh, harmful. I think it's just harmful in a lot of ways. Um, and just because there's some great success stories doesn't mean that it's healthy. Yeah. Well, I think that's what we only hear about though in church planting is the big success stories. It's like this or, church started off four years ago with five people and now it's got 700. Uh-huh. Let's follow that guy's model. Follow what <laughs> they did. And you end up, especially if you're sent out by an organization, you have no elder counsel to invest in you to make sure that your family is taken care of, to hold you accountable as a leader, to, to make sure that if, if everything hits the fan, you guys have a safety net, yeah. but you have these expectations that you have to meet. And if you don't meet them in this certain time, then you lose certain funding. And then it's, I mean, it really is like shark tank mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's not, it's not healthy and it's yeah. scary. And, uh, our whole idea of church planting, our whole idea of church in a lot of ways is, is going to, well, okay, not theologically, I'm not a heretic, right? <laughs> like I, uh, I, I believe that we can still hold to theologically 
sound orthodox teaching but the way in which we practice certain things needs to change yeah and we're gonna have to and in the northwest we've been thinking about it just in general too what what do our buildings in the future look like mm-hmm. uh, is our building actually being used for the community throughout the week is it being used for our community like of believers and then also the community surrounding yeah. Well, like, what are we using these resources for? What happens if we can't afford that anymore? How can we still be a body, a group of believers with, with lay shepherds, elders, with servants, deacons, and a body where we're moving together? What does that look like? And I, I think it's wise for everybody to consider that in America right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not some doomsday naysayer, to be honest with you. It excites me to think about that because, you know, Christ is going to shine in the middle of all that. Well, I- but I think it's a very relevant thing because we've talked about here of how how much the government has intersected itself in the morality of America like to, to try to change the moral aspect of an entire country. But at what point does that spill over into one of the fears that we always talk about is the hate, the hate speech that they are trying to impose upon churches and pastors mm-hmm. to where, you know, if we are outspoken against certain issues of morality, that's going to come back to us as hate speech. Well, then, you know, they're going to say, well, if you're this and this and this, you can't do this and we're going to take away this and we're going to do. And so, I mean, I've already started thinking in my head, you know, 10 to 15 years, it won't be uncommon for, for the government to, to seek to take away 501 C three status from churches. Like that's just going to be a thing. And in order for you to continue to meet as a church, you're going to have to almost operate like a country club where people are going to have to sign their name in to say, I'm a member here. Um, and you know, it's going to be the weirdest kind of aspect. I think that we're going to see this shift happen and it's just going to have to be the way the church responds to, uh, I want to say kind of an open threat. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that we're going to have to come to that understanding of saying, you know what, no matter what happens, we're going to seek to find ways to continue to be, uh, the church to continue to be a part of the church to continue to be, um, and, and, I don't know. I think over time we're going to see that shift. We're going to see that change. But, you know, until that happens, we have to think through, you know, what is that going to look like? Yeah, no, I mean, it was interesting, Thomas, when you're talking about, like, how efficiently are our buildings being used? And you have also been to City Impact, which was the ministry that I worked at in San Francisco. And, you know, it's another one of the most liberal cities, uh, maybe not as much into the anarchy stuff, but very liberal city. I don't know, dude. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's on par and, and our uh, income disparity is very similar getting there. Yeah. Too. So but City Impact, like it is a church, but they have a kindergarten through. I think it's middle school and they were wanting to expand to high school. I'm not sure if they have, but they've got a private school that meets in their building, but they've got all these scholarships to like send inner city kids to a Christian school. Um, they have a soup kitchen that feeds hundreds of people every single day. They have a thrift store um, so that it's not just a handout, but they're giving affordable clothing to people in the community. Like they're doing all of these things so much so that the city, even though the city doesn't <clears throat> like Christianity, they can't neglect the impact that they're having on that community. Mm. And so, you know, it's harder here because it's like, the church doesn't feel like that's their responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying like we have to open up a thrift store. Like that's not yeah. what I'm saying. Food but like a thrift store, free car wash. But <laughs> it, it, in what ways do we better utilize what we do have to impact our community? Um, whether that's in the Northwest yeah. or whether that's here yeah. or like, I think that's a, a countrywide issue. What you just said is a repetition of church history. There is a letter. I'm trying to remember the name of the letter. 
written to the emperor who was desperately wanting to revitalize paganism. And he, he was essentially saying, though, look, have you considered the charity of these Christians, though? I mean, they're taking care of our poor better than we're taking care of our poor right now. Yeah. And that was whenever the church was not in power, right? So I love to hear that about City Impact because it's like, oh, we don't like them, but they're, they're just... They're helping so much. Oh. They're so darn good. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we talked a little bit here a minute ago about the whole aspect of American Dream, 401k, and uh, having the, the bigger, badder, better. Um, but you guys, you and your wife and kiddos, y'all recently downsized, oh, yeah. I guess, to a tiny house. Talk yes, about that for a second. Like, what was the, what was the goal there? All right, well, I'll we, give and you... we only have like... 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. I can do this in 10 minutes. <clears throat> so, the other... No, I'm <laughs> uh, So, realistically, we were looking at the amount of money we were paying for rent, how it was ultimately going to go up. And, you know, I didn't want my family to be in a bind whenever they raised rent and then we can't save any money. Like our dream one day, wherever it's at, is to own land, to have a farm of our own, and for me to be bivocational in that manner. Yeah. For us to, to own a farm and to teach people how to farm, similar to like what Luther did in his day with his wife. My wife won't make beer like Luther's wife did. That's okay, though. <laughs> She'll probably make kombucha and tea. But, you know, so, uh, but, but that's, that's kind of the dream. Uh, yeah. There was no way for us to do that uh, in the present situation. And so my wife and I, I had said, no, we're not doing a tiny house years ago, especially with kids. We're not doing a tiny house. But then we started looking up RVs and tiny houses independent of each other. And then we both realized that's what we were doing. And so we were praying about it and thinking through it like, okay, Lord, this would be a really big step. We don't even really have the finances to even really do this. Like we couldn't even afford a nice enough trailer right now to do this. And so we started planning and praying. And I kid you not, and, and I have so many stories like this, random things happened to where financially, um, through just generous people randomly feeling led to give or to help, we were able to get a down payment for a tiny house. Huh. Just, we were praying for, and this, this has happened frequently. I've gotten cars, things like that because we were in need and I'm not a health, wealth, prosperity preacher. Okay. I'm not Mr. Osteen. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can edit that out if you want, but no, we'll fine. I, uh, we don't know, edit anything. Yeah, we don't oh, edit. that's fine. You don't edit once anything. Once it starts, there's that's, no editing. There is no stopping this train. All right, let me continue. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, but if, if you just want to follow Jesus where he goes, he does. He supplies your need. And I'm not saying, oh, look at us. We're great Christians because he knows our dire need every day. Uh -huh. Like we're not the perfect parents or spouses or, you know, but we do just want to follow him where he goes. And so we got enough for a down payment on a tiny house. And we were thinking between RV and tiny house. And just one night in the shower where usually all good ideas just happen, uh -huh. I just felt this urgency by, by the Holy Spirit just, you really need to make a decision on the tiny house soon. I just felt this urgency, right? And so I tell my wife, it's like, hey, I want you to pray the next day about whether or not we need to move forward on this tiny house because we found this really good deal on this builder. And the next day she's like, you know, honestly, I, I think this is what we should do too. I'm like, okay. So we put money down right then and there. That automatically put us above 10 other builds. We might still just now be getting our tiny house. Wow. Okay, this is over a year uh, ago that all of this was happening a year and a year and a half. And also two weeks before the lumber hike, 
We wow. got locked in at a price before they made no money off this house. <laughs> Because there were several things that needed to be fixed after they delivered it too. And they drove eight hours to and fro, back and forth, coming and fixing it. I mean, there were some issues with the initial build, but this company has stayed with us the whole way through and has driven back and forth and fixed things. Okay, even crazier though. So we put the down payment on. We're good to go. We think we have a place uh, in an area called the Nisqually Valley. And, uh, and that place falls through three weeks before we're supposed to get our tiny house. And I'm like, wow. well, where in the world am I going to put it? Because RV places usually don't take tiny homes. Yeah. For reasons, right? And so I'm like, I don't know where we're going to put it. And then I was reminded, six months prior, I'm driving up to Seattle to pick up somebody from the airport, and I feel like I need to drive into the Squally Valley. I drive there, and I end up at this farm that we'd volunteered at. And I just felt, and you guys need to hear me, I'm very, very careful whenever I talk about anything, revelation from the Lord, right? Like, like uh, i very careful because the Bible is canon. Like, that's yeah. it. But I felt like this is the place we're going to put our tiny house. And I'm like, Lord, we barely know these people. We've only volunteered here with our kids a few times. So if this is the case, Lord, I pray that they would come forward. Okay, fast forward. Here I am in this crisis mode. Where are we going to put this house? What have I done to my family? Oh, my goodness. My wife gets a call from, one of, from the farmer saying, hey, we've heard about your situation. You guys want to put your tiny house here and learn how to farm? <laughs> it's an all-organic 10-acre farm. Okay. Uh, they are Christians. The husband is an elder at a conservative Lutheran church up the hill. They are wonderful saints that also need some help around the farm. And so we put our house there and we've lived there now for coming up on a year. And it's been incredible. It's a tiny house. We have two young children. Uh, we have two lofts. One loft is our bedroom. The other loft is theirs. And it honestly works out really well. We got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. We're able to actually save money. And to be honest with you, you know, it's kind of the way we wanted to live. We just wanted a much simpler life and we were yeah. just getting so worried about so many different things. And I'm like, man, I want a simpler life. I want us to be able to follow Jesus without all of the distractions. And my wife homeschools our kids in that small, tiny house. That's probably the biggest challenge is actually the homeschooling stuff. Cause we don't do screen time or things like that much either. So keeping all of these things in that house, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, but that's the biggest challenge. The rest of it, we love it. That's I have a awesome. little wood stove, like a, a wood stove the size of, of like an, an iMac or whatever. iMac? Uh, uh, MacBook Air. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's awesome, right? And we love it and we're able to save money. There's so many other stories that we shouldn't even be able to be in that house right now that I could tell you, but I won't. Yeah. Um, and I'll just tell whoever's listening, uh, s just go where you see Jesus going and just follow him. And um, man, he's going to provide it's going to be wild and it's going to be stressful at times. It's going to be amazing though. That was, so it's, it's just funny because my wife, like the other day sent me a text. She goes, what if we just sold our house and bought a farm? And I was like, I, um, do it. Do we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Needless to say, I found, I found like a 1500 square foot house on 14 acres out in Douglas Heck for yes. about what we could sell our house for. And I was like, do it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it right now. I, I'll put it this way. Like we I'm going to wait a little bit till this Fed Fed rate goes down just a little bit more. It just started yeah. getting at the 5%. So. And it's going to get higher. But yeah. that's another conversation. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's what we wanted. Um, and, you know, it's pushing us towards our dream. I'll put it this way. We literally have no means to uh, to get a farm on our own. Yeah. At least in Washington. Uh, but really anywhere, um, you know, the cost of living is high there. The housing market's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. 
but God has got us into this place. And so we're just trusting him. And this has been a really good, healthy move for our family. Like it's been really, honestly, it's produced a lot of health. So yeah. I enjoy it. And the farm, it's pretty wonderful. I mean, <laughs> just getting to go and harvest and there's That's lambs. Awesome. That's awesome. So, so, well, uh, Travis, do you got anything else that you want to throw in on this? I mean, I know it's kind of been, we've been a little bit of uh, around the moon and back. On yeah, no, conversation. no, I've just enjoyed hanging out with you again. Yeah. And uh, it's been good. We need to do it again. We can figure out how to like do this via Zoom or something. Hey, oh, you can do it just game. on an iPhone. Just put it on speakerphone. And we could. We'll be fine. Good. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. I could give you guys like reports on the weather, how <laughs> I'm going back tomorrow to 60s and 70s and partially sunny. Golly. <laughs> no, it's funny. So there's this app called Marco Polo that's kind of oh, like yeah. FaceTime on demand. So like you don't have to watch when the person's like live streaming. But uh, Thomas and I are in a group with three other of our friends. Yes. And, you know, we're all like complaining about the heat and whatnot. And Thomas is always showing like, like literally like splitting firewood out on the farm or like, these are my sheep. And it's like, <laughs> shut Not up, mine, Thomas. But, <laughs> it's going to be funnier when them. you actually show up in like, like an old like robe type thing. Like, these are all my sheep. <laughs> these are all of my sheep. <laughs> they yeah. listen to every command. <laughs> I've, I've grown attached to those sheep. So whenever slaughter time comes, I'm actually going to have to be gone. Well, according to that though, now you have something to actually like cover your bay window. I know. I know. <laughs> so, My wife important. is all about that wool. I kid you not. She's uh, <laughs> that Proverbs 31, you know, she she clothes us all in fine linen. Well, in this case, it's wool. <laughs> Sheep um, wool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say I don't mind it. If I was in Texas, I would, but Washington, oh, I don't yeah. mind it. Texas would be no, unless it was like snowpocalypse from a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Honestly, like I, I love this little town in East Texas. It's a strange little town. Yeah. And I have family here, uh, you know, so, but. Yeah, I, I do enjoy the weather in the PNW. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in this week. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it. Again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, fears, angst, frustrations, conundrums, or if you just didn't like this, uh, have, have no problem by letting us know. We would love to answer any questions that we can. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Thomas and how you can continue to help uh, ministry up there in the PNW, as he would describe it, uh, we can get you contact information for him so you can help support him and his family. And uh, just, but I think the biggest thing is just be praying for them, praying for their church, praying that God continues to grow and move and do up there. So other than that, guys, we hope that you're having a great week so far and that it's a blessed one. Yeah.